You're listening to County Conversations, a podcast brought to you by the New York State Association of Counties. I'm your host, Tom Oldfather, NYSAC Communications Manager. Our conversation today will focus on the state of New York's workforce, the challenges counties have faced since the onset of the COVID pandemic, and highlight training programs and workforce initiatives that can help counties meet their workforce needs. We're happy to be joined today by Melinda Mack, Executive Director of the New York Association of Training and Employment Professionals, also known as NIATEP. Welcome to County Conversations, Melinda. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. I'm excited to be here today. So first off, for our members who might not know, uh, can you talk a little bit about what is NIATEP and who are the members that you serve? Sure. So NIATEP is the New York Association of Training and Employment Professionals. Uh, we've been around since the late 1970s, and we are an organization made up of education, job, job training, and employment providers. And so many of the counties across the state don't realize that they are actually sort of members um, through their local workforce development board, um, of which every county um, is a member of a local board. And so in our state, there's 33. And so across those 62 counties, um, there are 33 boards um, who represent the, the federally funded workforce system, AKA the local workforce system. Uh, we do a ton of work around um, advocacy at the federal and state level and are the primary advocate for workforce development here in New York State. Uh, but in addition to that, we do a ton of technical assistance and professional development for our members, um, as well as um, sort of invest in innovative projects. So, for example, we're working um, alongside many of our municipal partners across the state around youth apprenticeship. So, again, those are just some of the things that we do, um, but our you know, 200 plus members really represent every facet of education and job training. So community colleges, BOCES programs, um, again, local workforce boards, community-based organizations, organized labor, um, and also community-based organizations and chamber organizations as well. Great. So just to maybe paint a picture for, for listeners, are there a couple examples of some work with counties that you could easily describe that sort of encapsulate what you do? Yeah, so in fact, I was just um, in Cattaraugus County um, earlier this week, no, last week, that's our, it's only Tuesday this week, um, last week, uh, working with their economic development agency and their workforce development board to really think about some of the challenges that the, the county is facing around recruitment and retention of workers for the employers that they're working with across the region. And so um, when it comes to the work that we do, we tend to be sort of a thought partner or convener. Um, but also a technical expert supporting um, in program design and implementation. Great, and that leads exactly into my next question, which is you know, that ever since the onset of the pandemic um, at NISAC, we've been hearing from our members about the incredible difficulty that they're having to fill a lot of different jobs and to attract workers and retain the workers they have. So what advice do you have for our, our members listening today, for county employers to, you know, in, in broad terms, to help them recruit and retain a workforce uh, that they need. So if the, the county is not already working with this one-stop career center system, it absolutely should be. Again, every county, um, every municipal, municipality in the state has sort of a, a local workforce board that oversees its territory. They're the ones that receive the bulk of the federal and state funding um, to basically support uh, workforce development across the region. And that includes municipal employment as well. Um, I think a couple of suggestions that I would make uh, really to all employers, because unfortunately for counties, they're not the only ones who are struggling to hire. Um, it's engage young adults early and often. Most uh, young adults have no idea what it means to work for a county unless a family member works for the county. 
Um, and if you were like me, you probably thought it was kind of boring and like a, a job that you wouldn't want to potentially do without really understanding the wide range of potential opportunities working in accounting, anywhere from depending on where you live, driving a snowplow to working in finance, to working in marketing and communications, to working with kids, right? I think, again, folks don't really understand the breadth and depth of what county employees do. Um, I had the great pleasure of starting my career working for a county. And so I, I certainly saw and understood and was blown away by the amount of different types of jobs and opportunities um, that were available through the county. I think the second is to really think about um, where you're doing your outreach, right? Often what we find is uh, counties sort of post a civil service exam and that's sort of the extent of the way that they do recruitment. They're not working through the network of community-based organizations in their region to connect to communities in which they're likely trying to serve, right? Um, there are some counties that we know that have a really high number of individuals who speak Spanish or speak, uh, you know, Korean or uh, another language that is not something that was predominant in the county many years ago. And then you realize like they don't have any of their job opportunities or any availability on their website to translate um, what those opportunities are. Um, again, you're, miss you're leaving potential talent on the table, especially talent that could potentially uh, provide a unique uh, service uh, to your county or to a, a neighborhood or community in your county. Um, and I think lastly, um, we're seeing a sort of a growing um, interest in really thinking about uh, municipal apprenticeship programs. Uh, we know that the city of New York has thought a little bit about that, but how do you create direct entry into county government, um, not necessarily usurping civil service, but sort of working in tandem with civil service to recruit people into direct employment using an apprenticeship model. And this allows you to, again, sort of take a more senior uh, level person, say a DPW, and have them work alongside a newer staff member so that they can learn the trade or learn the occupation on the job while being paid, but also sort of meeting the needs um, and requirements that the county has. And so, again, just a couple of ways for folks to think a little bit differently about recruitment, um, but also really, again, if your diversity, equity, inclusion is part of your, your mission or your goal, you really need to take a look at where you're recruiting from and making sure that those partnerships and relationships um, in the community are solid and that you're utilizing them. So since the onset of the, the COVID pandemic, that's what we've been hearing from our members nonstop. Um, I assume it's similar for you, but you know, you represent a, a broader swath of, of members. Um, what have you been hearing from, from your members at large about their workforce needs? Yeah, so it's not just about our members, but about the employers that they serve as well. I think um, you know, there has been a huge shift towards uh, a workers market, meaning that there's workers have a lot different expectations and requirements before taking a job, right? And it's not just about salary. Um, I think the primary issues we find in terms of recruitment, retention, um, recruitment, employment, and retention tend to be around sort of three things. One is flexibility. Um, and again, having flexibility in your day to be able to do the things you need to do. Um, so uh, again, counties aren't always known for being particularly flexible. Again, I remember working for government, you punched in, you punched out, literally punched in, like at the punch clock. And I know some counties still use that. Um, it's around the autonomy to be able to work from home if you're able to. Again, you know, employees recognize that there are certain occupations that that's just not doable for. Again, you can't you can't plow a road from your couch. But again, to have the ability to take the staff meeting, weekly staff meeting, without having to go to the garage is something that I think people are interested in. Um, and some counties are huge, 
absolutely enormous. And so trying to get from one end of Chautauqua County to another can take a couple of hours. And so how do you sort of, again, think about ways to reduce the amount of time folks have to travel, spend money on gas, which is, you know, exorbitantly expensive, but also still be effective in their work. Employees want to be trusted. Um, and again, a lot of the infrastructure we've set up about these top-down uh, sort of government structures don't make employees feel valued or that they you know, have any autonomy in decision-making. Um, the other big thing we've heard is childcare. Childcare is a significant challenge for many of the um, individuals who are looking for work, but also is a primary reason why people are leaving the workforce. It's not affordable for someone to work if they're also sending their kids to childcare. So just as a personal example, I have three kids under the age of 11. Um, thankfully, my youngest my, is now six and is in, in elementary school. But previous to that, when I was paying for childcare for three of our kids, we made the decision that my husband would stay home because it was too expensive for us to send the three kids to childcare, let alone in some places finding childcare is a consistent issue. Again, going back to some of the rural counties that we work with, some of them have childcare deserts where there's not even accessible childcare for many of their employees. This is also happening for county employees as well. And so I think part of this is really understanding some of those challenges. And then lastly, transportation. It's really hard to get around some places, really hard. So imagine if you now are trying to, again, travel from one side of the county to another, um, it's really difficult for you to be able to do that if you don't have a reliable transportation system and or a car. And in some places in New York, if you don't have a car, I'm not entirely sure how you go to work. And so I think we're, one of the things that we've been thinking about is, are there ways where employers and municipal leaders can work together to solve some of the issues related to childcare, but also related to transportation? recognizing that that last mile transportation is so crucial, um, but also should be a critical factor in economic development decisions. And so, you know, if you're, if you're have the choice between, you know, rebuilding a warehouse in a city or in a village versus going out to an open green space where you're gonna have to pull all the utilities out there to be able to make it manageable. Um, let's like, think about the, the, you know, challenges you're gonna have in terms of getting a workforce that don't live close to that village or city center, right? and how you're actually going to get workforce to that location. And again, a lot of our rural communities are really struggling with getting some of the employees who live in more populous areas out because they don't have reliable transportation. So those are the, some of the big issues and some of the things that I think, um, you know, to be able to talk about it and talk about career uh, mobility um, is something that, you know, workers are looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those are some, some pretty big challenges of, Childcare and transportation. Then, uh, but what makes you hopeful looking forward uh, in the field of training and, and workforce development? Well, there's a lot of things. I think the the biggest is that the state is finally taking a real serious bite at the apple here. And so, in the last couple of years, I, I would like to believe, in part due to NIATEP's advocacy, um, the governor's office has invested um, under the previous administration 175 million dollars in workforce development activities. Um, this coming year, in terms of last budget, um, that number went up to $350 million. And this is meant to be dedicated, flexible resources to support um, education, job training, and employment in the traditional context of what workforce development is. Um, that's really exciting because when it comes down to it, the federal money is just not enough. And we were one of the few states in the nation that did not have a dedicated source of state revenue that was being attributed to support 
worker training and retraining. And when you think about, again, the economic development of our regions and of our state and you know, folks who know me well know I come from Buffalo, so I'm from Erie County, right? It's, it, a lot of these places have been disinvested in for decades. And if you're gonna invest in the economic success of a region, the humans who live there, the people who live there are your greatest asset. They're a part of the capital investment that you should be making um, year over year. And so we're really excited to see that that is starting to unfold in a way that we think will be impactful, but also not only impactful, but something that will have decades worth of residual effects, multiplier effects, right? Because we know that individuals who are um, making more money, who have better jobs tend to be healthier. They tend to be able to have, you know, their kids end up going to school and staying in school. Um, they tend to, you know, be able to buy homes, to be able to rehabilitate homes. Again, think about the city centers who really would benefit from having um, a workforce that had resources to be able to buy homes in regions, right? That's how you redevelop communities in a more meaningful way. Uh, the last is they also think um, we're, we're really thinking much more holistically about um, workforce development is a core component of economic development, but also what's giving me hope is the real conversations since the murder of George Floyd around equity and the fact that equity and equality are not the same thing. Um, but if we're really thinking about maximizing our workforce, like there are people who are unemployed and underemployed all over the state. We have lots of opportunity to get more people into good or better jobs. It is incumbent on us to sort of restructure and address the systemic racism that's happened across our state and across the country. And people are wanting to do it. And I think that is exciting because I think the more diverse our workforce is, the more functional and the better equipped our economy is to thrive. And so again, I'm really excited to see these conversations happening, but also to see the government and municipal leaders taking this head on um, and recognizing that it's critical to our economic success. And then lastly, I will say, um, you know, again, thinking about poverty um, and really uh, as workforces, just one of the other tools in the tool belt for poverty reduction, I think is something else that I feel really strongly about and something that we're seeing. Um, one of the things that we're working on in terms of an advocacy agenda item um, is around having an income disregard. And what we know in talking to some of our um, partners who are uh, social service districts or TANF contractors, uh, for counties and for communities, um, you know, we know that people who are on public assistance really struggle to get off of public assistance. Um, and because the challenge is, is if you make a little bit too much above what your wages are, it's counted against you in terms of your benefits. And so uh, we know that poor people are hitting a benefits cliff, and that is a deterrent from folks wanting to pursue, uh, again, good or better jobs across New York. And so our hope is that we can actually have an income disregard um, instituted this year that would allow individuals who are on public assistance to exempt their income for up to six months. And it would allow them to save a little bit of money um, and get ahead. So if they do have that flat tire on the way to work, they actually have money in the bank to be able to fix it. And so again, we're, we're really seeing this as a opportunity to really change communities using this workforce investment. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue into, into my next question, which is, um, what else is on the horizon for for NIATEP in its in this coming legislative session? Um, everything. Well, it always feels like everything, right? <laughs> when you're involved in advocacy work and uh, working um, uh, with the legislature, this this season seems to come up on you really fast. Um, a couple of things that I think are important. I think again, focusing on the income disregard advocacy, and this is something that we would love to have the counties 
work with us on or support us on. Um, we were really lucky to have the support of the Human Resources Administration in New York City, but also of Erie County's um, Social Service District last session. And so we were able to move this legislation quite far. Um, but in addition to that, we're also really focused on getting ready for the infrastructure investment that could be coming from the federal government with a recognition that we do not have enough people who are ready to work in jobs related to anything that's a trade, right? We don't have enough welders. We don't have enough pipe fitters. We don't have enough masons. We have so much growth that we're gonna need to have. We're not gonna be able to do it quick enough unless we start now. And so some of the conversations we've already been having uh, with the state and with the governor's offices around how do we sort of create a long enough runway where we can have enough people who are trained. So when that money hits the street, I guess pun intended, we're actually able to build bridges and roads. And you know, it's interesting because I think there's a recognition that we already had a shortage in this kind of labor pre-pandemic. And now coming out of the pandemic, it's even harder to recruit people to want to work as a welder or as a, as think, a yeah. bricklayer. I think anybody, anybody with a home that's tried to do anything over the last couple of years has, uh, has bumped head on into that shortage of tradespeople. Absolutely. And so, again, I think part of this is, is really being thoughtful about this coordination between pretty much all resources that involved human labor and workforce development as crucial in terms of being part of the conversation early on. Um, that's sort of a huge part of what we're pushing. So again, any of this clean energy work um, that's coming, the electrification, you know, there's lots of that growing in the Southern tier, cannabis, um, you need people to do these jobs. And if you don't plan for that or don't invest in that upfront, you are not going to be able to maximize your economic development potential. Um, and so again, you know, federal infrastructure is something we're focused on. You know, cannabis is certainly something we're also focused on. Um, the last thing I will mention is we are also taking a real um, hard look at apprenticeship because we do think uh, apprenticeship is an incredible pathway to good jobs and good careers. Um, in fact, the more and more I learn about it um, in the last couple of years, the more and more I wish I would have had that opportunity as a young adult or an adult because it's basically you're paid to earn and learn. And most people leave those jobs starting between 60 and 70 grand a year. Some even make it up into the six figures pretty soon after their education. A lot different than the $90,000 in student loan debt that I had for my, my two master's degrees, right? And so again, I think that there's a lot more opportunity for, for adults and young adults than ever before. And now it's about making sure that that's coordinated um, and communicated in a way that is exciting and help, helps people see the, the amazing careers um, and opportunities we have across New York State. So as we're coming to the end of our conversation today, uh, do you have any other insights that you'd like to share? Any other, any other updates from NIATEP that you'd like to plug? Yeah, I, I would say the one I would, I would suggest is that um, many counties um, are starting to do something where it's like a youth engagement opportunity, um, either in the fall or in the spring. I know Jefferson and Lewis do it, um, Genesee, Livingston, Orleans, and Wayne are also doing it. It's called a, like a work with your hands event. And it's a way to engage young adults across multiple counties within school districts to experience careers within regions. Um, this is something that grew out of a movement um, in the Finger Lakes called the Finger Lakes Advanced Manufacturing Enterprise or FAME. Um, where they basically engage young adults and to basically see hands-on what it's like to work in different um, occupations across your county or your region. Again, think about all the places you drive by. Again, I was just driving on um, sort of 86 the other day going to an event and 
so many warehouses that like just have generic names on it. You have no idea what's being produced. You have no idea what that, what jobs are happening within that building or office parks, right? This is a real chance for young adults to see that there are good jobs that are cool, that they wanna do in their region. Um, and I really encourage more counties to pursue these kinds of opportunities. Uh, because I think ultimately they they work. They keep young adults local. They help young adults see that there are some interesting things that have been invested on invested in, um, and get people excited about the kinds of jobs that they could potentially pursue and stay close to home. Like a really good example. Um, again, Finger Lakes has been doing this for a number of years. Optimax, which is in Ontario County, they make parts for spaceships. How cool is that, right? Awesome. And again, if you were a kid and you found out, whoa, I could still live in Ontario County and go work at this company, which by the way, is a terrific place to work, like, and actually make pieces for a spaceship. That's amazing, right? And it helps young adults see a future in your region and in your county, and especially in some of the more rural parts of the state that I think have challenges around recruitment and retention of young adults. This is a great way to be able to do that and do it in a relatively uh, employer-engaged way. Right, so there's, I feel like you always see this disconnect where it's, You've got employers who are on one side saying, we can't find anybody who wants to work. We can't find anybody to do these jobs. And on the other hand, you've got sort of young people who seeing nothing other than being an Uber Eats driver, you know, like these, and it's about somehow managing to bridge that gap and connect totally. those two parties with, with each other. These. Yes. And in the 20 years I've been doing this, um, no matter where I go or what era it is, the era that comes after is always they're lazy. They don't want to work. Again, do you think boomers thought hippies were good workers? Right. Like, no, they think they thought Gen Xers were, you know, lame and boring and didn't, didn't want to work. Right. And so it really is, it's much less about the next generation being less engaged. They're engaged. You just aren't speaking to them in the language that they need to hear. Right. And I, I certainly, God, I certainly don't want county officials starting to do TikTok dances, but it is something again, for folks to really think about how do you sort of, in some ways, pitch careers that are exciting and that your region is a place to be, a place you want to be, a place you want to raise your family, a place that you can actually do your education somewhere else and come back and or start it here. Start it here with BOCES. Start it here with a P-TECH program. Start it here with your community college and you can get a good job where you're making awesome money. You can buy a house and a truck, right? And I think that that's not what we're talking about, what we're saying or what families have said forever is there's nothing here for you, go somewhere else. And what folks don't realize is there's a lot here. And often parents and people who live in your community don't even know the kinds of jobs or employers that are available in your region. So again, it's, it's really much more around talking up what you've already got. Um, and again, using every sort of platform you can to engage young adults in the types of opportunities in your community. Our listeners want to learn more about this and the work that you do. Um, where should they go? What should they? What resources resources are available to them? Absolutely. Well, the best resource is, is folks are interested. We actually have a conference coming up um, October third through fifth in Niagara Falls, um, and it is done in conjunction with the New York State Economic Development Council. And so, it's workforce and economic development together. We expect close to four hundred people um, joining us at the Niagara Falls Convention Center, and of course, folks are welcome to join. Um, and so you can uh, find out more about that at our website, which is niatef.org. So N-Y-A-T-E-P.org. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Melinda. Anytime, Tom. 